Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to the Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Do you have a mate that doesn't seem great? Maybe their team is up, but they're still down. A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Dare Iced Coffee, a proud partner of Are You Okay? Welcome to the Conversations That Could. I'm Dermot Brereton. Each week I talk to people from across the sporting landscape to reflect on their careers, be it past or present, discuss their struggles and their successes, what they've learned along the journey and the ways in which we can all support each other through the challenges that life presents. Our guest tonight is going to take us into the mindset of a professional rugby league player and he's going to give us a few insights into playing the game at the highest level and the stresses and challenges that that brings. He's also one of a new breed of sports people adding their voice to campaigns to win violence against women and children. It's my pleasure to welcome Mark Nichols from the South Sydney Rabbitohs to the show. Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Hey, uh, we're getting better at it in Melbourne, and and I love my rugby league. But for a lot of our listeners, tell us what a prop does. Educate everyone here in in uh, in Melbourne and and Sydney. Uh, sorry, uh, Adelaide. Uh, what a prop does besides push really hard. I guess the the prop does all the tough stuff. Um, He's the hard worker that does the uh, tough carries and, and makes lots of tackles, and then the wingers score all the tries and, and get all the accolades. He's the grafter. That's it. Yeah, the toilers. <laughs> so, so to put that in perspective for all our Aussie rules fans, you are 6'4", what's that, about 194, 195? Yeah, 194, yeah. And weight? For a prop forward, to be honest, I'm probably am on the lighter side. Uh, some of the boys are up to 120 kilos uh, in, the, in the props that we that I have to play against, and even one on our team in George Burgess. But yeah, for me, I uh, always worked. I thought, I, I, well, I found out through my career, I, I've I work better when I play a little bit lighter. So that's why I'm, I've sort of been 105 for the last five years or so. Beautiful. Before we get into the polished man and, and your representation there. Um, Let's have a look at your uh, travel, mate. You, you've been started off in Canberra. Well, you started in Leeton, am I correct, there in near Wagga? Yeah, I was born in Wagga, um, but only because I had to go to the private hospital there. Um, so I spent a couple of days of my life in Wagga and then grew up in Leeton. Um, so, yeah, spent uh, my childhood in the Riverina there, which is which is great, and then uh, moved to Canberra when I was 15 with the family. I, I know and played with a, a fellow, Craig Nettlebeck from Leeton, and uh, that's an Aussie rules town, I would have thought, or at least 50-50. Did you think it, about it? It is. It is. Oh, it would be 50-50, you're right. And uh, I actually played AFL for three years as a youngster. Were you any um, good? I was okay, yeah. I um, I got convinced to come play AFL by a family friend. He said if I if I came and played AFL for the the Leeton Crows, they are um, they give me a hot dog and a can of coke every game. Um, and silly me, I didn't realise that's what I was already getting from my dad or my or my pop or my pa at, at rugby league. But I went and played AFL for uh, three years, and and in the end, I I, I actually enjoyed it. Um, 
I played ruck. Uh, I sort of started out the back pocket and then moved my way uh, into the ruck as I got taller because I, I started at nine in the under 12s. Um, but eventually I just got sick of chasing after people and trying to tackle them and they kicked the ball before I got to them. So <laughs> eventually I had to go back to rugby league because I missed the contact. So, so you like live quarry that you know is going to run at you. Yeah, exactly. The AFL field was just a little bit too big and, and the players were a little bit too smart. They'd get rid of the ball before you got to them. There's a, yeah, can you blame them? There's a bloke 105 kilos looking at them to crunch them and they think, oh, get rid of this before he gets to me. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I end up going back to rugby league. I started rugby league when I was four. Um, four? I said, yeah, four years old I started rugby league and then uh, I had it. A midlife crisis as a as a little kid and played AFL for three years, but I went back. I realised where I wanted to be and went back to rugby league at um, twelve years old and stayed there ever since. Were you were you one of these kids at four years of age that you had to play up because you were so big? <laughs> well, yeah, naturally you have to. I think you start at the lowest you can play is under sixes. So I, you know, I was playing under sixes. Um, Dad was the coach. That you know, I grew up. I grew up with. Sort of my dad and my uncle playing local first grade on a Sunday. So, you know, from obviously from as soon as I, I wanted to, or as soon as I could, I wanted to play rugby league like my dad and my uncle. And I think mum and dad just must have got sick of me asking, so they let me play at four. So you've moved from Leeton back into Wagga and you've ended up at the Canberra Raiders, not all that far away. You were there for a little while and you... Everything Ricky Stewart is, is the Canberra Raiders. So you were with him and then you, you found your way down into Melbourne, Melbourne Storm for a couple of seasons. Yeah, I, uh, I spent two years at the Storm and um, living in Melbourne. And um, funnily enough, because I, I sort of played a little bit of AFL, I understood it. So uh, it meant that I got to fit in because... I sort of didn't really have a team when I first went down there and I felt like if people, you know, sort of asked you who you went for in AFL and if you said you didn't have a team, they sort of walked away without wanting to talk to you. So <laughs> I quickly worked out that you had to at least have a team and then, you know, if they disagreed with your team, they'd, they'd at least still engage with you. But if to say you didn't have a team at all was like the worst thing ever. Can I ask, having played footy, you know, as a junior, are you the only prop in the NRL who's capable of kicking the ball? Oh well, funnily enough, we uh, our old coach Wayne doesn't mind a, a game of AFL every now and then, and um, I, feel, I was disappointed if I didn't get a goal or two, you know, versus fellow leagueies because I felt like I could kick. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely would back myself against most front rowers. And currently at the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the Bunnies, you're closing in. You're closing in on 100 games with the Bunnies. Yeah, I know. I think I'm high 90s now um, in the nervous 90s because obviously we've got finals and our season could end at any time. Um, You know, it would be great. I'm obviously leaving too, which it would be great to – to bring up 100 games for, for South Sydney, the club's given me so much. And, um, you know, it's obviously a proud club. Uh, we've got a famous owner, but we've got a lot of loyal fans too. So it, it would be, um, you know, to bring up 100 games at South would be great, but we'll have to wait and see, I yeah, guess. Yeah, see what happens. Uh, so it is a working man's club. 
in a in a in a rich man's league. Your neighbours are, are, are quite the wealthy to do. Um, the fans at Sydney at, at the Bunnies they love you. They love the grafters, don't they? Yeah, I think that's our history. Um, you know, you, you mentioned it there. Our rivals are the Roosters, and uh, they've got the Eastern Suburbs, and and they, they love their lattes and and whatnot. But um, you know, most Bunnies fans they enjoy the hard workers, and um, you know, being a hard working prop myself, not real flash. Uh, I think the fans the fans like me too, which is good. <laughs> yeah, tell us, have you got a, a move? planned ahead. You were contracted for next season, 2023, but but uh, you've been uh, relieved or allowed, permitted to get out of that contract and you're heading north. Yeah, so I had another 12 months left at South. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually the oldest player at South Sydney um, this year, but um, the conversation with the club when I re-signed at the time was um, if there was a better opportunity, then they would sort of I guess let me explore that that opportunity and, and release me from a contract if it came from that. And um, you know the new team, the Dolphins, coming into the comp, um, were willing to give me an extra year on top of what I had. Um, and also, you know, the opportunity to take the family up to southeast Queensland. We sort of lived there a little bit last year in the bubble. We spent sort of three months there, and, and my my wife and I really enjoyed it. Uh, so, you know, it all sort of just all, you know in my favour and um, over sort of Christmas New Year's last year I spent some time with the family and, and sort of tossed up both options and, and fortunately for me the you know the club was more than willing to um, to give me a release so um, you know next year is going to be exciting new team uh, a lot of unknowns but back with the old coach which is which is good yeah yeah so it it seems to me, even in our sport, uh, AFL, NRL is the same. They, when there's a new franchise, they need great quality soldiers of good culture. People, they don't have to be superstars, but they've got to be of the right moral fibre and they've got to be able to commit to the cause. You are the, the poster boy for that type of player. Oh, thanks. Nice words. But, yeah, I think, um, yeah. I, I, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to uh, is getting up to the to the club. You know, I, I know from being at the Storm, but also the Raiders, um, you know, they both were, both had successful teams when they first came into the comp and they talk about um, those players that set the set the culture and, and set the foundation from day one. So, you know, it's not lost on me uh, that as a playing group next year, we're going to have, you know, we're going to be the first NRL team for the Dolphins. So, you know, we'll be remembered for what we do and to be able to get up there and, and in the first year and sort of, I guess, try to set some standards and try to create the culture that the club wants um, is not lost on me and something I'm looking forward to. Well, I mentioned that you, you're full of that high moral fibre. You, culturally, you uh, you'll underpin a new team. You are the... The poster boy, the, the face of a promotion, polished man. We'll talk about that after the break. The conversations that could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it. But a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Welcome back to the conversations that could. I'm Dermot Brereton and our guest tonight, Mark Nichols, prop for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Well, prop for next year at the Dolphins. Now, Mark, uh, well, I mentioned you, you're high standing in the community of rugby league. And, and like AFL, 
some of the people in the community of these sports step out of line sometimes and it requires somebody else to come in and realign the thoughts and the direction of young men who can be, can waver off the line. Tell us about your ambassadorship with The Polished Man and why you have involved yourself in this. Yeah, so I've, I'm uh, an ambassador for Polished Man for, for 2022. Um, they sort of reached out to me um, a couple of months back and uh, initially, you know, I, I sort of, I had a daughter on the way. I've, I've just, I've got another daughter who's, you know, a bit over two now. Um, and the first statistic that you read from the Polish man is one in two children experience violence per year. And I was just blown away. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around that, that statistic. Um, and so, you know, as a dad of now two daughters, um, you know, I, I sort of, I want to do whatever I could and, um, you know, I, it's 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 a I guess it's it's a small thing for me to do, but hopefully uh, it helps um, raise awareness and spark conversations. And off the back of that, um, they can raise some funds for some um, great organisations who are who are trying to do or, or are doing a lot to uh, help in this space. There there are activities which which young men sportsmen who are in a high octane environment can cross over and the. And that mindset, that 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 elevated personality, that is required to succeed in these high octane sports, sometimes it's it's difficult to switch that off. And some men, young men, transgress, don't they, when they get to the other side? So it's important that somebody such as yourself, a big, pardon me, bastard brute of a man, can turn around and say, no, we need to switch off sometimes and we need to take a step back and we need to understand what is best for those who are a little bit more vulnerable than us in society. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, no matter what we do um, on the field, um, you know, violence against women and, and, and children, it you know, People are going to make mistakes, but it just should be something that that isn't done. Um, and and as I said off the start, the statistics tell us that it is it is happening, and and we need to do something about it um, because you know it's just it, as I said, it, it scares me having two daughters to know that um, potentially they might be a victim of this in the future. Um, so I guess yeah, as I said, we sort of. You know, you've got young men trying to play footy and, and play tough and, and act act tough, but I think you're more of a man if you're, you know, if, if you can do what you do on the footy field, but as soon as you're off the field, you you know, I, I, I like to consider myself a bit of a gentle giant off the field, especially around, my, you know, my family and, and my girls. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's um, somewhere where, I, you know, I, I'd like to put my voice on it is, you know, you do what you need to do on the field to be tough and 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 throw your bravado around, but you know off the field it's it's off limits. So there'd be young players coming through, and they would look at Mark Nichols and say, "Gee, look at the size of this man! Look at oh, he's a brute out in the ground. He he bashes the opposition legally, I might add." Uh, but you know what? He's such a gentleman. Off the, it's it's important to be a a role leader in this area. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly what I want to. What I want to be, I guess, a role model for for the younger guys coming through. I mean, I, I I feel really blessed with the upbringing that I had, but 
you know, naturally in rugby league, um, you know, we do have a lot of a lot of players that don't aren't blessed with the perfect upbringings, and they do they yeah, they're victims themselves of of seeing stuff like this in their childhood. Um, you know, for, so for them to to sort of get into an, a professional environment and see that you know, I guess what they've grown up with isn't isn't normal. Um, you know, that's exactly what. I want to be in the, in the dressing shed. So it's important, isn't it? We look at that and it's from doing this show for a few years now and understanding and seeing there's so many young men who've re- been on the receiver end of poor behaviour by an adult. They they can pass it on to their own children at some stage or other youngers around them. It's important to break that chain and have those role models, those strong men around them to say, hey, th- this is the way it is done, not the way you've learnt and been taught. They might have loved you, but this is the way we do it for the next generation. Break the chain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, you know, if it, if it, if you, when you're a young kid, I mean – as uh, having a two-year-old daughter, I've worked out pretty quickly. Like she learns everything from me and her mother. Like any little thing that we say or do, she picks it up and she's doing it the next day. So you know, you can only imagine over a, a lifetime, a, a kid's lifetime, year after year, day after day, seeing certain things in the household that, that naturally, um, you know, they may mimic those behaviours or, or have these um, behaviours, you know, ingrained in them a little bit, but. Um, you know, I guess you don't want to pass that cycle on to your kids and, you know, having, being able to see a role model or, or see someone, um, you know, who's who's trying to help and trying to spark conversations and, and know that there are organisations out there that are, are raising funds and trying to do their bit, do their bit to help, um, you know, I think can only be a good thing. Now, I know you've always been a gentleman, but... Uh, um... I uh, have been fortunate enough to be invited into the Melbourne Storm on a few occasions. I remember you. And I, I look at, at Mark Nichols and I think, what a huge brute of a man. But I reckon having two daughters has mellowed you a little bit and you're a little bit of a different, not different, because you're still one of those brutes out on the field. But having daughters has changed you a little bit. Oh, it certainly does. I mean, um, I can't imagine anyone who says it doesn't. Um, but I think, you know, starting a family, it's just provided a lot of balance in my life. Um, yeah. If someone asked me, I'd say I'd never been happier, but I just I feel like I've just got a really good balance in my life. And it's funny how, you know, you know when I was at the Storm, I probably I only played, you know, a handful of games. I was pretty much a reserve grader there. So, um, you know, and I, and I was the same at the Raiders. So, yeah, until I came to South, I really was sort of on the fringe, struggling to play footy. But um, you know, I guess finding my my wife or my partner now, my wife, um, and starting a family and and starting, I guess, you know, I'm at work today, um, talking to you. But just being able to find a bit of balance in my life, and then, you know, I guess on the weekend you get to run out and and do what you do for the eighty minutes and and try and be the tough. Row forward and throw your weight around and uh, help South Sydney to a win. But um, having that balance away from my life and certainly the my two daughters is has been a big reason in being happy and and um, finding some success on the field. 
So you've probably heard me having a giggle then. You're saying, yes, have my daughters and having some balance on the weekend. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, yeah, gentle and soft with my daughters and the balance on the weekend is I go out there and I crunch someone in half. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess you can look at it that way, yeah. <laughs> Try to anyway. <laughs> Our guest tonight is Mark Nichols. This is the conversations that could kickstart a conversation with Dare. And are you okay? Back in a moment. The conversations that could with Dermot Brereton. When your mate bottles it up, a Dare fix won't fix it. But a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Welcome back. My guest tonight is Mark Nichols, NRL player with the Rabbitohs and Polished Man Ambassador, adding his voice to the campaign to end violence against women and young girls. I would imagine, well, I, I know that if you play in a team that is good enough to play in finals, there's a certain mindset that comes with that, which carries over into life. The pressures you learn from playing elite sports such as yours, it carries over into life on how to deal with situations. Have have you found that that flip into general everyday life? Well, I think a big thing I've learned in my footy career is just the power of, of a positive slash growth mindset. Um, yeah, I, as I said, earlier in my career, I, I struggled to, to play in a role as a fringe player. Um, yeah, I went to a couple of clubs before I found a bit of a home at South Sydney, and uh, I think in that time I probably um, didn't handle adversity real well um, in terms of injuries and and sort of getting dropped and, and stuff like that. And you know, as a young man, uh, probably didn't really talk about it, but tried to I guess deal with it by by drinking. And um, you know, I think. Um, I've learned over my career that uh, those sort of things, adversities and, and setbacks, um, are better dealt with a positive mindset rather than uh, trying to, I guess, mask it or or deal with it your own in by yourself and stuff like that. Um, and you know, I don't know where, where when it was or, or what changed, but certainly when I came to South, so sort of those sort of things just, you know don't affect me as much and, and, and I think it's because I've got a positive mindset and you know, being able to apply it to, to everyday life has, has worked out well too. I, I went back to university uh, when COVID hit and I I actually, you know, I, I just had my first daughter and I was sort of a bit worried about how I was going to handle the workload and my first test, I got, I got 40%, so I failed my very first test back at uni and I thought, you know, what am I doing? This is not going to work out, but um, you know, I, I immediately try to reframe my mindset and, and, you know, just work out, well, this is something I want to do um, and I, I think I can do it. Uh, I'm just going to have to do things a bit differently. And actually, you know, I, I deactivated my Netflix and sort of got off Netflix for 12 months while I was doing uni. And, and once I put my daughter to bed, if I wasn't going to sleep myself, then that's when I when I did uni and, you know, I, I managed to pass and get get pretty good marks. So it just sort of shows that um, some ways you can apply, you know, the professional athlete environment to everyday life. So, yeah, absolutely. So you are the, the archetype prop, aren't you? you? You've run up against something that's knocked you backwards of 40% mark and you've gone, instead of going, whoa, this is too hard, you've gone, no, I can get through this. I can come back at this. That's that's your professional upbringing from 17, 18 years of age to this point in time. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think um, the immediate reaction after a setback is always, you know, disappointment or anger or self-doubt. Or, you know, it's always negative, but, um, you know, I've, I've found in life if I've if I've stayed too long in that negative state, then it's just gotten worse. Um, where if I've tried to flip it and see it from a different point of view or, or come, at it a bit, come at it a bit more positively, you know, you manage to find a way to work around it or to overcome it or to, you know, pivot and, and go in a different direction and you know off the back of that you you're you're obviously happier and and you achieve more and you know in my case it meant that I started playing NRL a bit more which was always going to make me happier so tell us in your journey you I think it's fair to say that you've probably you've been coached by probably what we would regard as the two most oh, so they're like doyens aren't they that the coaches that are just regarded as almost godlike. What have you taken yep. from them in how you've prepared yourself for football, how you've prepared yourself for fatherhood and life? Because, I mean, these are men with never-say-die attitudes and they are gentlemen as well. Yeah, I, you know, feel privileged to have been coached by both Craig and Wayne. Um, you know, the thing with Craig was he, he was the first man in the office and the last man to leave every day at the storm. You know, like he's the hardest working person in that organisation. And it doesn't, you know, I think it's been reflected over 15 years. That's how his teams play. They're just so hardworking, well, well drilled. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who sort of seems to get injured or retire or leave. The next man up just does the job as good if not better than, than the person before him and um you know i think as a footballer that's sort of already how I, how i'd sort of gotten to where i'd gotten was through i guess through through more hard work than talent so um you know to have sort of see craig doing that on a day-to-day basis um i guess sort of reaffirmed that i was going the right way um you know at that point in my career as i said i sort of was pretty much a a reserve grader, but I knew if I kept working hard that, you know, things things would turn for me. I, I never doubted my ability. It was more just wanting to get the opportunity and and um, and getting a good run at it. But then, you know, coming to South and, and you know, my first year was underseas, but then Wayne came for the three years after that. And, um, you know, I've told this story, but we sort of were, were in um, – in January, so we're still in middle of pre-season training. Wayne sort of came just before Christmas, so he'd probably only been with the squad for two or three weeks. And there was me and another player, um, Junior Totola, who had played a little bit the year before, but sort of been on the fringe. And um, you know, he was he was sort of a rookie, but I was sort of a I guess a middle-aged player. And he kept us both in after a meeting one morning and said, you know, I've I've been here for three weeks now, whatever it was, and I watched all the games from last year and he said, you two guys are NRL players. Um, and he said, I'm going to pick you in round one on the bench to play prop. And he said, I don't don't care what happens between now and then. Um, you know, I just want you two guys to know that I'm going to pick you and, you know, you don't need to worry about it. So he said, just go out there and start training like an NRL player now because you're going to be an NRL player round one. And for me, it, it blew me away because, as I said, I, I was sort of – you know, seven or eight years into my career and um, been on the fringe. And that time of the year, most coaches are saying, you know, still trying to say to the whole squad, I'm going to pick round one based off, off training and based off trials, when in reality, you know, you know, 80 or 90% of the team's already been picked, um, you know, by that stage based on experience and, and reputation. And, 
Um, and and so for for Wayne, you know, this guy who's done everything in the game and, and been so successful, for him to sort of say to me at that point in my career when you know maybe some other coaches hadn't seen that much um, in me, it just it gave me this this belief uh, that I sort of previously had never had, um, but. It also, you know, I just didn't want to let him down from that point. Um, so it sort of, it almost, he almost became like this father figure to me. My, my wife laughs all the time when she when she hears me talk about Wayne because I must just, you know, have this, <laughs> must just, my tone of voice must change or something because she, um, she just laughs. But, you know, it was, it was crazy. And then, you know, last year, I guess, grand final under Wayne. So he's been there three years and me and Junior are the starting front rowers and, you know, Junior's gone to another level this year and just got our best and fairest. So, um, yeah, it just shows how how much, you know, one convers- off the back of one conversation, how much belief um, he gave to both us too. So it, that, it sounds to me you felt that somebody really trusted you, really believed in you, and, and you repaid that in the way you played. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was 100% trust it, I have to, as I said, for someone like Wayne to say that to me at that point in my career, uh, I just didn't want to let him down every week that I went on the field. And um, yeah, I guess that's that's what trust is, isn't it? You just you don't want to let the, the person down who's who's put their trust in you, and and vice versa. He strikes me as Wayne Bennett as the grumpy father who's not against pulling out the strap occasionally, but if he does pull it out, you deserved it and you know it. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, like, before he came, you just, yeah, the only impression or the only experience I had of him was in the media and he always seemed like a grumpy old man and you, yeah. you just don't think, you know, but then on the on the flip side, every player who I'd seen talk about him, you know, almost, they all talked about him, how they loved their coach and loved Wayne and he was like this father figure or this godlike coach. Um, it just shows, I think, just shows how – you know how how good he is at what he does, and um, you know he'd probably be the first person to admit that he tactically, you know, doesn't do a lot to the team. He lets his assistants do that, but what he does do is he gets around, he gets around the boys, and he works out what each player needs. And as you said, some players do need a bit more of a clip around the ears than others, and <laughs> others need a cuddle. And um, you know, Wayne just seems to have this ability to know who needs what at what time, and and um, you know, and he gets players playing their best footy. He's, he's, he's the closest thing to what we have had. He's retired now, Mick Malthouse. And Mick Malthouse was also schooled by my own coach many, many years ago, Alan Jeans, to the media, just dour, just a brick wall. <laughs> and to us, he's just really hard. But once every three years, he might say, well done, son, really well done. <laughs> and it meant the world to you. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny too. Like, you know, when you think about about Wayne at his age, how he can relate to you know seventeen, eighteen year old guys in this in this generation. But he just seems to be able to do it. Doesn't matter who it is. Um, yeah, you know, seems to be able to do it. And I think you know, I think that's what makes him so great. But you know, when you talk about him and Craig, it's like almost two different, completely different styles, but both just as effective. I'm Dermot Brereton, and our guest is Mark Nichols. This is the Conversations That Could Kickstart a Conversation with Dare and Are You OK? The Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A Dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. 
ask, are you okay? Welcome back to the conversations that could for Are You Okay? We're chatting with Mark Nichols, NRL player and prop with the Rabbit Hose, South Sydney, the Bunnies. You've got a life outside of rugby league, though. You've set yourself up in a direction where you can move forward with a, a good earning income, a good career outside of NRL. Yeah, well, that's certainly what I'm trying to do. I think. I spoke before about trying to find balance in your life and I think sometimes as footy players we're guilty of I guess getting in that stuck in that footy bubble and that that environment um, you know and and if sometimes it can be too much to be thinking footy 24/7 and, and stuff like that and, and sometimes you know to get away from footy you use the wrong outlet whether it's gambling or, or, or drinking or, or something like that um, you know and I think when I when I left the storm and, and came to South, it was almost my last chance at, at 28 years of age to, to make a crack of it. And we'd sort of been in the position um, if, when I, when I ended at the storm, I actually didn't have a contract for a couple of months and I'd gotten to the point where I was applying for jobs and I kept getting, I sort of got a little bit of feedback that I had no experience. And um, yeah, so I sort of, I guess when I came to South, so if that was going to be my last year, I wanted to um, I wanted to make sure I had a job at the end of it. So I asked the club if I could actually work in the in the office on my day off. Um, and off the back of that, um, you know, I started playing better footy and got a, got a couple more contracts. And I sort of did a did a bit of sales um, the next couple of years. But when COVID hit, as I said, I went back to uni. And I always sort of been interested in construction and the construction industry and. I did project management, and, and from there, an opportunity came to uh, to work at Knight Frank um, Australia in the in the project management team. So I've sort of been here for six months. Um, come in on my day off. I'm actually in the office now um, on my lunch break, of course, not not on uh, company hours. But um, yeah, it's been it's been really good. As I said, it's just another thing that's provided a bit more balance in my life. But I guess also take, taking away the stress of, of knowing what's next as a professional athlete. It's amazing. So many people I've spoken to who are very successful have literally worked for free at some stage to get the experience. So you, on your day off, asked the Bunnies if you could come in and work in the office. What did they have you doing? To start with, I was just shadowing the chief commercial officer, um, Shannon Donato, but um, you know, sort of, sort of towards the end, I did a little bit on um, just on the on the crowds and and some initiatives we could have to help crowds come back, and did some other stuff with with membership. But it was it was sort of just more, I guess, shadowing Shannon and seeing how the whole operation worked on the other side of of the you know away from the football department, uh, how the commercial side worked. Um, and benefited the NRL team, but you know, also just sort of seeing if I could where where I could fit in if I had to do the next year. Um, but luckily, I uh, as I said, I started playing better footy and and got a couple more contracts at the Rabbitohs, so I didn't have to um, I didn't have to I haven't up to start working full time just yet. It's amazing, isn't it? The football world and players such as yourself, it is so difficult, it's so grueling, it is so punishing, it is so hard to train endlessly, get up to play, be punished similarly and and go back and repeat and and return back to the fore again and again and again. It is so difficult. But not many professional footballers understand how difficult it is to turn up to work each day either. 
Yeah, I mean, I think what you said, I, I actually love that. Yeah, I, love, I still love going that's to train. That's what we know. I guess, yeah, I guess that's that's why we're wired a bit different, isn't it? That we sort of you know love going and punishing our bodies at pre-season training and running laps of the oval and tackling each other. And, um, you know, as you said, that's it's, if I could play footy forever, I would. But um, unfortunately, eventually the body lets you down. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's been, um, as I said, I've sort of, it's what I've done at South now for, this is my fifth year at South and I've always sort of tried to do something outside of footy and in the last six months um, that's been coming into, in, in Pitt Street office here uh, with, with Knight Frank and sort of sitting with the project management team and trying to help out wherever I can uh, and yeah, as you say, it's funny, by the time I get home after, you know, get on the train and come into work and then get home. I sort of just tell, tell my wife I'm, I'm knackered <laughs> and she laughs at me and says, you only worked for one day. <laughs> everyone else everyone else does this for five days. And uh, But it's it's as I said, it's it's just good to get away from footy and, and get out of that. Um, sometimes you can, can get stuck in that footy bubble environment. Um, and and generally, generally I always try and come in two days. We always have two days off before a game, so that's always sort of the day that I try to come into the office. So it's – yeah, that close to the game, it's just good to to switch off completely for a whole day off footy and and just do something different and and meet, you know, be in, in different in a different team environment, um, you know, mixing with different people and and you know feeling like you're contributing to um, something other than yourself and 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 you know your football, which you sort of. I guess, spend most of your time and energy doing. Mark, before we let you go, I just want to say it's great to hear a professional sportsman understand how tough everybody else does it. Uh, I I try to make out I know, and perhaps I don't (laughs) really know, but it's great to hear it. and I hope through your um, involvement with the Polish Man, some of the young, more uh, not gullible, but the younger players who are looking for a bit of guidance and inspiration can understand the difference between. And we hear this: this the catch cry at the moment is toxic masculinity. Masculinity is fantastic, but not when it slips over into toxic masculinity. And and you are the epitome epitome of somebody who is masculine and, and a real powerhouse and a brute, but you do it in the right way. So uh, all power to you, mate, and all power to uh, the Polished Man campaign as well. Well done. Nah, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. And yeah, as, as I said from the start, yeah, hopefully we can sort of spark some conversations and, and give violence the finger, I think is the, the Polish man um, <laughs> motto. So, yeah, it's all for, all for a great cause and I'm happy to, uh, to lend my masculinity to it. <laughs> good on you. And if we don't see you before, good luck up north. Cheers, mate. I appreciate it. Mark Nichols from the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I'm Dermot Burden and we'll be back next week when we'll kickstart a conversation with Dare and Are You OK? Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to catch up on an episode you may have missed, like our chat with Adam Gilchrist. Yeah, that's the word, expectation. Look, to, to answer that question, I, I, I didn't predominantly feel that. I, I, like it was, I felt pressure came from within. Uh, so, you know, prepare well, do all the things that you knew you had to do, uh, and only you knew, you know, the man in the mirror stuff. So... Um, uh, be honest with yourself, and if you were prepared, you ticked all the boxes of skill work, of um, of sleep, of food, of just if you were fully prepared, I felt like I could go into any.
competition pretty relaxed with a little bit of that nice nervousness, the, the stuff that just meant it showed that it meant something to you. But um, but I, I tried very early in my career, I remember thinking that. So don't worry about what the others think. Just just know that give yourself the best chance and then whatever happens after that, you, you're going to have to take. Some of it's going to be good. Some of it, there'll be days where you're scratching around but you find your way to 100 or you other days where you smash your first four balls and then you get bowled off a, a ripper from a, a good bowl. <laughs> Perth Wildcats head coach John Rilly. Yeah, you'd like to spend equal amount of time with each guy, but that's just not reality. Um, you know, now that's where your assistant coaches come into it all uh, and you need them to have great rapport with the players. So then if there is uh, a, a red flag, we can get on top of that before it's too late. But on the flip side, like when a guy's do feeling good about life and feeling good like how can we just get a little bit more out of him you know I think it's always easy to address the red flag but also making sure guys are moving forward when they are doing a great job tell me what a red flag looks like uh like maybe maybe they're a family man and something's going on with a child that you have no idea about because they don't want to uh, open up and let you know that you know, the family dynamic, there's something disruptive. So uh, that's yeah, you'd like to spend equal amount of time with each guy, but that's just uh, not reality. the rapport and relationship. Um, so, you know, now, uh, you know, that's where you need to coaches come into it all. You know, they're, uh, they're, and you something need them is wrong to have with their child. With the they players, don't feel so like they're letting the team down. Or for the champion jockey, David Taylor. But on the flip side, like, when a guy's doing feeling good about life and feeling good, like, how can we just get a little and I've let him up. Him. He's you know, made nice and it's to address the red and this flag. And this now going, also going the other sure way. Going I've, I've knocked up and run last, and I'm staying on the fence. Tell me what a red now, flag this thing, this looks like. running along the fence. Uh, like maybe, maybe they're a family man and, went to and around something's to going mates on with a child that you yeah, have no idea about the because they don't want to uh, open says, oh, the up and let you know that you know, the family dynamic is something disruptive. So that's where the assistant's understanding them not to fall into the If they need to mispractice because something is wrong with their child, they don't feel like they're letting the team down. A uh, little bit. Yeah, yep. That was the least of my worries. Vertebrae, I'd done the L2, L3. Yep. But what the biggest issue was, I split the kneecap in half. I'm Dermot Brereton. Join me again next week when we kickstart another conversation for Dare and Are You OK? The Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A Dare fix won't fix it. But a conversation could. Ask Are You OK? Are You OK?